worship with a reading from Isaiah 9. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them has light shone. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with the justice and with the righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. Glad you're here today. Everyone doing all right? Everyone survived Thanksgiving? Yeah? All right, good. Anyone get out in the insanity yesterday or Friday? Raise your hand. Fess up. Come on. Yeah. Uh, real quick, let me address the elephant in the room. We decorated for Christmas, and, but the real elephant in the room is that I have a mustache. It is not a weird shadow, and no, I did not lose a bet. Uh, this is my gift to my family every year, uh, so I don't have to get them anything. I just shave my mustache. I don't look like Jeffrey Dahmer on Christmas morning. Um, but our, our family candlelight service is Sunday. <laughs> Anyone watching that right now? Um, our Christmas fam- family candlelight service is December 18th. Uh, that means we're not going to have service that morning on December 18th. Uh, the, the holidays fall weird this, week, this year. Um, the next Sunday is Christmas Day. Uh, we will not have church on Christmas Day. Just hang out with your fam. The next Sunday is New Year's Day. Okay? And so we're just going to, what we're going to do, we're going to have church on New Year's Day. I'm sorry. But we're, oh, we got to clap on that one. Oh, how about that? Uh, we are going to focus that service just on praying in the new year. We're going to have a normal service. We're going to spend some intentional time just praying for the new year. So January 1, we will have church um, as normal. Uh, four weeks, though. Four weeks until Christmas, y'all. Four weeks. Uh, Christmas is coming. <laughs> for some of you, you're like, yay. For others of you, your palms just started sweating because you've done zero shopping. Uh, for me right now, I'm like shaking it out. I'm like, Okay. Here we go. We got this. My wife and I were sinking into a slow depression as we looked at our calendar um, over the next month. We are so busy. Uh, there's just no other holiday that has the pressure and the buildup of Christmas. Um, anyone else feeling that pressure mounting right now? You got to decorate your house. You got to compete with your neighbor that's clearly spent $2,000 on inflatable Snoopies, right? <laughs> Make, makes your house look like the Scrooge. You're like, well, I got to do something now. You got to find the recipes, you got to go shopping, you got to buy the gifts, you got to wrap the gifts, you got to cook the meals, then you got to hang out with family and then act like you like it on Christmas. There's a lot of pressure. You got to smile. You got to be merry, right? And baby Jesus, yay, you know. Um, And then Christmas morning gets there, uh, and the day after, it's like a tornado for our house. The tornado is going to go through the house. It's going to be insane. I don't know if you feel this. I can get to the day after and be like, why did we do that? (laughs) Just being honest with you, I'm being vulnerable right now, okay? Uh, I guess it's like being in debt, you know? That's why we do all this stuff. Um, It's like Christmas right now. I feel like Christmas is the finish line uh, that I get to start breathing again, and then I get back to normal life, and I'm just like... And so often the details and logistics, right, of this season steal our energy and our time. It overshadows, like, the why behind the what. And in an abundance of good-intentioned holiday festivities, uh, we become completely lost in to-do lists in the next season that we're on the threshold of right now. Instead of becoming marked by, you know, Jesus and stuff like that, becomes marked by hurried anxiety. I think we all know what I'm talking about, right? Instead of the Spirit of God coming near to us in Jesus, it's just lost on us. It's lost on us, guys. The last things on our minds during the next month is Jesus, right? Is that too harsh? Is that too on the nose? No, but it's true. 
is true for some of us. I mean, you'd think that celebrating God's gift to the world would fill us with a sense of gratitude and his presence and his nearness, but that's not how often we would describe this next season, is it? No, we would describe it as busy, my hair's on fire, and I'm running around like a chicken with my head cut off, and I, I hope some amount of sanity I you know, maintain, and my kids, maybe they'll like the gifts we give, but you know you're going to be returning stuff, right? It's going to be the whole thing, right? And it comes and goes, and the presence of Jesus, Emmanuel, God with us, is an afterthought. Let's just be honest. I know we're in church, but let's be honest. It's almost regretful for many of us. Like, we get to the other side, and we're like, dude, I missed it again. It just rings hollow for so many of us. The whole season rings hollow. It feels superficial. It feels like we're just lost in a wave of superficial sentiment, Rudolph and pumpkin pie and all the things, right? And it comes and goes, and we feel like we missed the mark. At least that's how I feel very often after the season. Maybe you don't, but this is why I like the season of Advent. This is why we celebrate this here. The point of Advent is to help us stay rooted in the why behind the what's. There's a reason, right, for the... Okay. I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I knew you'd do it, Right? Advent, I think, if we will consider it and actually maybe entertain thoughts of participating in it on a personal level, it will, in our hearts, fight back against the triviality that this season has become, right? It will fight back against all of the busyness that robs us of our ability to wonder as people, robs us of our ability to see and recognize what we're actually celebrating. Christmas, y'all, is the most over-commercialized, consumer-driven holiday we have bar to none, right? And one of the questions I always end up asking on this time of year is how do I gladly participate in all the festivities? Like, I'm all in. Uh, you got Christians that are like, I don't do Christmas trays and all that kind of stuff, right? Dude, I'm all in. Lights, trees, red, 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 red rider BB gun, right? Come on. The movies, the gifts, I'm all in, okay? How do we, as a group of people, be all in without losing the substance of the thing underneath it all? Like, without forgetting the why behind the what. A.W. Tozer said, the mere action of life, paraphrasing here, the mere action of life in our hearts and minds, uh, by, sorry, by the mere action of life, our hearts and minds are being continually flung from the deep to the superficial, like the spokes, uh, like beads on the spokes of a bike. By the mere action of life, like just the gears are throwing us from being a person who dwells in the depths of things to being a person who lives on the superficial level of things. And he's just saying that just the mere activity of life flings us out the superficial definitions, superficial definitions of what it means to be alive, what it means to be a father, what it means to be a husband, what it means to be a Christian. Superficial, skin deep. He's saying just the mere, the mere mechanics of life fling us out out of the depths, into the superficiality, into triviality, right? The aim of Advent is to ground us on something deeper than Rudolph and sentiment and consumerism. It's a profound season, y'all. It can be where the depth and the power of the thing can rest on our hearts. It can be transformative in our lives, but so often it's just lost on us because the things we give our attention to, Right? Advent just means arrival. It just means a coming into place. It focuses our hearts and minds on the fact that we are celebrating the arrival, the coming into place of Jesus. Right? Now, you might have noticed we have some candles uh, where we don't normally have candles. This is called an Advent wreath. Uh, we have four that are colored, and then the white candle in the center is the Christ candle. Um, different traditions will say these candles represent different things. I'm not super... Uh, 
I don't really care about all those different ideas and what they, what they stand for. The first one we, we lit, we talk about this being the prophecy candle, a candle of hope. Uh, the second one is the Bethlehem, Mary and Joseph. They all have different things. The third one's where they, they symbolize parts of the story of the birth of Jesus. And then on our candlelight service, we're going to light the middle candle, the Christ candle. And we're going to ponder and wonder how the advent of Jesus brought light into a very dark place. It's why we read Isaiah 9. Did we read Isaiah 9? We did, right? You read that. Okay, good. Before clocks in the dark and evening, people used candles to keep time at night. When the sun was not about, they would use candles. Let's show that picture. This is like some like 10th century example of, of candles that were used to keep time. Um, candles were used for marking time in darkness, waiting, right? This is an interesting thought for us as we light candles at Advent. It helps us think about why Christians have lit candles during Advent for centuries, right? It was in a time of great spiritual darkness that Jesus came. And even though his light has come, many are still in the dark. And if you're a Christian, it reminds you that you were waiting in darkness when Jesus rescued you from your own sins. That's why I read Isaiah 9. Advent calls us to remember not just what God did, but what he has promised to do. This is Advent, which is, what has God promised to do? Well, it's to return. This is the New Testament story, that he came and that he will come again. And when he comes again, the promise that we see in the New Testament is that he will right the world. All the wrong and injustice and equality and suffering in the world, he will come and make untrue, as N.T. Wright says. He'll come and put the world to rights, right? He'll one day return, totally vanquish sin and suffering and death and injustice, finally and fully. That's the promise of the New Testament. This is what the New Testament writers had their hearts connected to, not just that he came, but that he's promised that he would come again. Advent is, number one, a reminder that we are waiting now. We are marking time for his return. It reminds us that God's made a promise to you. God's made a promise to you. And on the other hand, it's making room in our lives now for what Jesus did 2,000 years ago that he has come and that he will come, that we're making room for his work to come to fruition in our lives, waiting for his love to be made known. Has anyone felt like the Christian life is just waiting to figure out that God actually loves me? Waiting for his kingdom to advance more and more, waiting for his spirit to infuse our lives with his actual power. So on the one hand, it's looking forward. On the other hand, it's looking back. And what does that do to our hearts and minds? If we're drawn into the story, if we think about where we're going and where we came from, what does it do? It locates you in a story. It locates you. It's saying you are in the midst of a saga. Your life is a smaller story that's actually within a larger cosmic saga. And it's happening right now. Many religions have this kind of cyclical idea of the universe. Karma, rinse and repeat, reincarnation, and so on. Christianity says there was a beginning and there will be an end. And you are a part of that story. And you have an active role to play in it. Advent, during Advent, we light candles, we read about the birth of Jesus, and it reminds us of this really, really simple thing that a lot of Christians tend to forget, that a gift's been given. A gift has been given. And yet, this gift, Jesus and his kingdom, I think you could argue that's what he came to give, right? Himself and his kingdom, has an unending, unfolding nature in which it still has more to give to you even now. That's the nature of the gift. It's yours to receive, right? It's not a work. It's not an earning. It's the gospel. It's a receiving. It's a taking in. But that does not mean you do nothing. 
Listen, you choose whether or not you will open your hand to receive the gift God's given, whether you will unwrap it, get it out, utilize it in your life. That's on you. And this is what Advent calls us to, to slow down, to pause, to contemplate what does, God king, what does God's kingdom mean for me in my context, in my marriage, in my work life. That's what I'm calling you to in the, in the season that everything in you is speeding up, speeding up. I'm saying slow down. In, this, in the season where everything in us is saying, I have to go fast, I'm saying go slow. Pause, wait, contemplate. I cannot, as practical as my sermons can get, I cannot tell you what the kingdom of God means for you personally. Like there's large general ideas, but I can't tell you the context of your marriage, what it means that Jesus wants to be in the midst of your marriage. You got to figure that out, man. You got to figure out what it looks like to do life with God at your workplace, in your family. You got to, that's your context. Advent says, what would it look like? Like pause, consider, reflect. He's given a gift. Ask yourself, what would the presence of Jesus, the gift of God, the kingdom of God look like in my context? What does it look like for you to create room for God? It's what we marvel at, that Jesus came to us. The choice is ours if we receive it or not. The mystery of Christmas is that God entered into your darkness. It's what causes us to wonder. The old song, Joy to the World, is a theological masterpiece. I'm really shocked that we play any of the old songs in any stores today anymore. Listen to the words of Joy to the World. Joy to the World. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. Advent says the king has come. The question is, so what? Seriously, so what? What does it mean for you in your context, in your marriage? Advent says, stop running around like a chicken with your head cut off and be still for 10 seconds and think about what it means that he came. Consider it, contemplate it. Listen, turn, listen, stop walking in the door, turn on TV. Just give it a break, man. Unplug from the phone for 10 seconds and consider what it means. All this paraphernalia that's around the Christmas season is distracting your heart right now. It's all pointing towards something. And if you don't stop for a second and contemplate and think about it, it'll be lost on you. What is it supposed to be about? All I'm saying to you right now, I'm just echoing the psalm we read. Wait on the Lord. So the Psalms tells us. It's the cry of the Psalms. Wait on the Lord. Stop. Contemplate his works. Think about what he's done. Instead of a busy season, Advent stands in stark contrast with the sentiment of our day. Stark contrast. Instead of busy, Advent calls you to create intentional margins. Create intentional margins. Instead of hurry, I'm calling you to wait. Wait. Right? Instead of stress and anxiety, Advent calls you to spend time with the Prince of Peace. What I'm saying to you is you got to give God elbow room in your life. you got to do what joy of the world says, or you won't receive him. The Bible's going to call it repentance. But this is what we mean. Prepare him room. John the Baptist cry, make straight the paths of the Lord. And what was John the Baptist's baptism? Repentance. Some of us will be an act of repentance by being still. 
And I think some of us need to hear today, God's calling you to stop the busy and the hurry and the anxiety, to repent. You know what repent actually means? It just means think about your thinking. Metanoia, noia, cognition, meta, after, beyond, metaphysics, out of physics, metanoia, out of your thinking. Get out of your thinking. That's what repentance means. It means to think about your thinking. Think about your life. Think about the pace at which you're living and slow down. He's come, yes, he's come. But it means nothing to us if we don't make room for him in our lives. Advent calls you to create margins in a busy season to make room. Remember during COVID, the joke was leave room for Jesus? Six feet, you remember that? No, I guess you weren't on the Christian social media feeds, right? Um, it's, a real, it's a real thing. I'm saying right now to you in this busy season, leave room for Jesus, bro. Like leave room for him. Spiritual reading, talking to him, talking to, uh, with him, about him, about your life. Worship, leisurely, unhurried time, lingering over his words in the busiest time of year. I'm saying wait, pause. When everything is in you saying speed up, I'm saying slow down, right? Just echoing the Psalms, what we said earlier, Psalm 77. I will ponder all your work and meditate on your mighty deeds. Psalm 62, for God alone, my soul waits in silence, for my hope is in him. We light candles, we mark time, we acknowledge the darkness, we acknowledge Christ's claim over the darkness, and we wait for God and put our hope in him. Now, here's the thing. Sounds great, Pastor. Nice sermon. I hate waiting. I hate it with the hate of a thousand fires. No one waits anymore. Prove me wrong. Prove me wrong. No one waits anymore. You know why? Because as soon as we have to wait, we pop our phone out. You're not waiting. No, you are distracting yourself, right? Someone says to me, hold on one minute. I don't have my phone in my pocket. Hold on one minute. By the, by the time they're, they're not even finished with a sentence, hold on one, right? Already got your phone out. Listen, I love you. You're horrible at waiting. So am I. I don't think we know how to wait anymore. Seriously, we have been discipled in 24-7 entertainment. I remember one time when I had to wait for a shower at the gym, but I didn't have my phone with me. It was horrible. I just had to sit there like an idiot, right? It was like, it was like torture. Huh? Like I was surprised at how annoyed I felt as if like some injustice was happening to me right here, right? So, I mean, obviously, what do we do when we're out in the marketplace and we have to wait? Well, we don't talk to the manager about how inefficient his systems are, right? Did you know that I had to wait for 10 minutes? You know how long that is? Listen, we've been discipled in 24-hour entertainment, right? We've been trained. Listen, here's, what, here's how you've been trained. This is how your culture has trained you. You don't even know it. Your culture has told you, if you have to wait, it's broken. That's what your culture has told you. And we lap it up. The microchip and the internet has discipled you in instant gratification. Be honest right now. Be honest. How many of you, if you see a line in the store, you just do another loop? And you're just like, I'm not going to wait. Right? Okay, no one. All right, well, how about this one? I do that. How, how about this one? When you click a page on a browser and it takes more than five seconds, like, who cares? I'm done. Disinterested, right? More than, wait, more than five seconds. You know what that means? Your computer stinks. You need to get a new computer. That's what that means. Come on, be honest. 
That's what you think. Five seconds. We're like, no, no, something's broken, right? You've been trained to believe that if you have to wait for anything, it's broken. Can I just say that, that is not true? We've changed good things come to those who wait to if you have to wait, it must not be good. Right? Advent reminds us of the season we're in, of where we're at in the story. And can I tell you some kind of dissettling news for many of us? It is a season of waiting. That's where we're at. God has come to those dwelling in darkness. He has come. He has brought hope and life and light, right? All the things that Jesus brought. And yet, there is still hopelessness. There is still darkness. There is still sin. How do you you figure that? We believe with all of our heart, Jesus has won. You're a Christian. If you're a Christian, that's what you believe. You believe that Jesus conquered sin and death and suffering. That's what we believe. And that we can enter into that victory now. And yet, is there suffering? Yeah, plenty. Is there sin? Yeah, plenty. (laughs) You know what that creates? It creates a dynamic of waiting. Theologians call this the already not yet of the kingdom. It has been given. It has come. But we are still waiting for it to come. In fullness. That is where we are at in the story. Jesus said, the kingdom of God's at hand. In fact, he said it's within you. It's here. You can reach out and touch it, but not fully, is it? The enemy still has a hold on this world. That's why the New Testament calls it, you know, the prince of the power of the air, the God of this age, right? We, Jesus has conquered death, has he not? That's what you believe if you're a Christian. But do people still die? Uh, yeah. I recently heard Tim Mackey uh, give an explanation of this, of where we find ourselves. So let me give this picture to you to understand where we were at theologically in the cosmos. Cosmos. That's how the British say it. Um, he says, in America, I just make up stuff like that. Um, in America, there is a time between when the president has been elected and his inauguration. It's about a 75-day period. Uh, The results from the election are in. He's won. He's the guy. He's the president. But he does not take power for 75 days. It's declared. Everyone knows it. He does not step into the fullness of that role for this period of time, right, when he is inaugurated. Many theologians have compared this 75-day period with the epoch that we are in. Jesus has defeated sin, death, and hell in the cross, in his death, in his resurrection, has forever and fully conquered darkness, He won. He won, y'all. But the victory will not come to complete fruition until he returns. This is the dynamic of the New Testament. Death and sin still have sway, all right? But this is huge in the Bible, okay? Death and sin still have sway. But to any who would believe, they can step into his victory here and now. This is the same language around the Holy Spirit in the Bible, y'all. The Holy Spirit is talked about as a deposit of what's to come. It's like earnest money. It's a part. It's not the whole thing. This is where we find ourselves in the story. Already able to enjoy his victory, but not fully, right? And this explains why Christians can possess the brightest, most life-giving hope within suffering and darkness of our current world. We chatting? Huh? Advent calls us to look back and to look forward, right? When the Holy Spirit makes this truth alive to you, you know what happens in your heart? Hope. 
hope. It's profound. Unshakable hope based on what he has done, and it therefore gives us confidence of what he will do. Y'all, this is how hope works. How does hope work? Huh? You will not be filled with hope by blind, wishful thinking. That is not the hope of Christianity. It is not blind, wishful thinking. All right? It's real hope. Real hope gives you real strength. Do you know how this works? Does anyone know how this works? You know how hope works? Let me tell you how hope works, all right? So many of you don't know this. I uh, am bivocational. A lot of times I shoot weddings on Saturday, then I come here and I preach through utter fatigue on Sundays. About now, my body begins to shut down typically, okay? And I get really, really dehydrated because I'm an idiot and I don't drink water and I don't eat breakfast like a dummy. And so right around now, I want to pass out most Sundays. But you know what I think of right now as I'm preaching? I'm like preaching the gospel that I'm thinking about public subs. (laughs) And let me tell you, you know when I get excited, it might be the Holy Spirit, it might be that I'm thinking about public subs. Because that's how hope works. It gives you real strength. Real strength, y'all. It's not wishful thinking. No, man, Publix is a real place. Huh? And, and they, got that crispy, they got that crispy chicken tender sub. You know what I'm talking about, Ben, right? And Susan is a lovely lady, and she's going to pack that sub till it's overflowing. Hey, Susan, what's up, girl? I'm here for my crispy. And I think of that, and all of a sudden, y'all, something happens. This is real. It's physiological. It's not out there. It's not wishful thinking. It's not just ideology. Something physical happens in your body when you are filled with hope. We do not believe in the coming of Jesus on empty, vain grounds. We believe because he came. We look back and we can look forward with confidence because he's proved himself to us. He has come. He has taken on darkness. He has taken on sin. And so we believe he will come. Guys, being a Christian is not jumping off blindly. We believe on grounds. Hope. You're filled with hope when you have grounds to believe. And I'm telling you right now, all you have to do is look at the cross and you will have grounds to believe. God has not left us in our suffering. He has not left us uh, in our darkness. He entered into it and took it on himself. This is the gospel. And when we, with eyes of faith, see the cross, it fills us with hope, unshakable hope. And what I'm telling you is you will miss it if you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off, just checking off the to-do list. I'm not saying put it on your to-do list. I'm saying chuck the to-do list. Like sit, wait, be with God, get the word out. I know it's tough. I got kids. Gosh, I got kids, man. Like I know. Like, like you're asking the crazy, Chris. This is like, I got so many things to do. I'm telling you. This is, just because it's a cliche does not mean it's less true. Those who wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. Come on, man. Isn't that what you need in this season? Like exhausted, fatigued. Say, man, wait on the Lord, bro. Like, get up earlier, man. Stay up later. Like, make it non-negotiable. You got, listen, right now, you got non-negotiables in your day all day long. Come on, let's be real. Netflix, non-negotiable, right? You're going to eat this meal, non-negotiable. You're going to do coffee, non-negotiable, all right? Make it a non-negotiable. Make it a non-negotiable. I'm not going to fub. Is that a word? I don't know. I'm not going to, what's the word I'm looking for? Flib, flub. Boob. No, I don't know. <laughs> fudge, fudge. I'm not going to fudge. 
Got you, Mike. I got you. I'm not going to fudge on this one. Make it a non-negotiable. Wait on the Lord. Come on. It's good, right? Let me just pray for us real quick. Jesus, thank you that you came. God, thank you that your Holy Spirit is given as a deposit right now. God, that we get to, if we want, taste heaven. We get a slice of the pie as your children. So Holy Spirit, would you come? Holy Spirit, would you um, fall on this place right now? And so this is what we're going to do, guys. Let me end with a real question for you right now. Uh, Has the hope, has the light of hope faded from your eyes? Has the light of hope faded from your eyes? Have you succumbed to the darkness and lost hope? The proverb tells us, hope deferred makes the heart sick. If your heart feels sick today, I just want you to come get some prayer, man. We got people that love you, that we trust, that would love to pray with you about the lack of hope that you're feeling in your heart and life. Let me pray for us. Jesus, God, thank you, light of the world, uh, that you've come into our darkness to give us hope. Faith, hope, and love, a pillar of our faith. God, forgive us for despairing. Lord, forgive us for losing hope when we look around and all things feel bleak. Come, Spirit of Christ, bring light to our darkness. We love you. And we pray these things. Amen. Amen.